everyone. My name's Nicole. I'm Brenna. I'm Reed. And this is FitClick. This is a podcast where we talk about fanfiction. Each episode, typically each of the three of us brings a fic to discuss, and this episode is our normal format. Yay! Reed, what fic did you bring for us to talk about today? Yes, I'm bringing a fic, um, and none of the ficlets listened to our last episode and told me how to pronounce this correctly, so I'm going to do my best. Um, <laughs> this fic is called Restitutio Ad Integrum by Ergiad SLV. It is for the Locked Tomb trilogy. It is Camilla and Palamides, and I'm very excited to talk about it. Brenna, what did you bring? Yeah, my fic pick for this episode is Life is Very Long by Vamile Pudding. Uh, this is for the Untamed. It is technically Longwanji Weiwuxian, but it is from an outsider POV, and it's sort of a comedy. Uh, Nick, what did you bring? My fic for this episode is A Cornstalk Fiddle by Not Because of Victories for the fandom Devil Went Down to Georgia song. Uh, the relationship is The Devil slash Johnny from Devil Went Down to Georgia. Very excited to chat about it. Also, before we fully intro, can I share a story about pronunciation? Because Reed asked us about how to pronounce Palamides. Sure. Okay, so when I was in high school, we were doing our like Greek uh, philosopher unit, and I did convince one of my friends that um, you pronounce uh aristotle's name but it's like the same as you pronounce chipotle <laughs> so she aristotle? did say yeah she did say aristotle during a discussion with other <laughs> classmates who did not know what was going on <laughs> I, I just would like to formally apologize <laughs> i'm so sorry menace in high school i still think about how you convinced a friend that there were there were no spiders in the city of los angeles because the mayor had just decided to get rid of them yeah best, like not best even thing like he oh, ever did. ecologically like there just aren't any spiders which like already wouldn't make sense but he just got rid of them yeah that was why i was moving to la after high school yeah oh my god um, so originally we thought about talking about soups for this intro. <laughs> Turns out we have um, a lot of opinions about soups. We have a lot of opinions really about do. soups. We might say, maybe we'll save it for like an autumnal episode. <laughs> I feel like that's the oh proper season for soups. <laughs> mini mini sewed just about soup. <laughs> yeah, mini sewed about soups. Um, we decided not to air our soup opinions here in this episode. Um, instead, we were just going to do a little check-in, state of the union, state of the pod type thing. Um, this is going to be our second to last episode for a little bit. Not ever. Don't don't freak out. Don't be scared. Not even that long um, compared to other podcasts. We're just yeah. like really consistent. <laughs> um, we just have decided, you know, as... The more years that we do this, the more we are like, we need to schedule ourselves breaks. Um, so we've scheduled ourselves a summer vacation. So this is sort of the last episode that we're recording a little bit more live. And then next episode will be a mini-sode that has been pre-recorded. Um, and then your hosts will be taking a little vacation. And then we'll be back in July. Um, so do not fear. We will be all around on the internet as well and in Discord and everything like that. Um, it also gives you time to catch up on listening to the pod or reading fix that we discussed or reading fix that people wrecked in the server. All of those good things. Writing RPF um, about us. Writing RPF about us. Exactly. Figuring out new and inventive ways to get other people to listen to Thick Click. So true. Um, yeah. So... 
you know, we're on break, but do you have summer vacation homework, listeners? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> if it makes you feel better, we also have summer vacation homework. Like, literally <laughs> yesterday, true. we were like, okay, so then the mini soda will come out then. And then probably in our break, we should figure out, like, XYZ. And we should also plan for this. Like, <laughs> break who? It's it's yeah. a break from um, physically recording episodes and very little else, uh, but yeah. still needed. A break from finding fix for the next episode the night before recording. We're still going to yes. be looking, but it won't be with that same time pressure. Or like the night after recording and then you have to sit, like, record an extra little bit. It's like, <laughs> here's my pick because you were a fool and didn't <laughs> find one on time. Yeah. Hey, Editing Read. Thank you so much. <laughs> so welcome. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping in the break I will figure out a better recording setup. Um, my setup last time was not great and a little echoey. And this time, the only thing I've done to change that is tape a blanket to the wall in front of my face. Um, so, you know, maybe it's a little bit better this time, I hope. Who knows? But I am, I am manifesting, um, in this, and if I say it now, maybe I'll hold myself accountable. I won't. Um, (laughs) in this break, I am going to do reading that is not just for fun, but I want to get a little backlog of potential fic click picks so that I am doing less scrambling in the second half of this year. Okay. Yeah, I like it. And that's fun too. Editing read, you listen, internalize, (laughs) manifest. Maybe you can do some <laughs> FitClick productivity hours in the Discord server and be productive about reading fanfiction. I feel like that would, I'd, it would more just be like a readathon then. Yeah. Except, yeah. That's fun. Somewhere halfway between. Yeah. Everybody loves that. Okay, I did recently host a very impromptu productivity hour in the server um, to whittle down my marks for later. It was quite long and full of a lot of old fandoms that I just don't see myself returning to. Um, I did learn from the Ficklets in that chat. Did you know... On AO3's homepage, if you scroll down, there's a little thing that's like, is it later yet? And it pulls like random fix from your marked for later. I never once in my life in the many, many, many years of using AO3 have I ever scrolled down on the homepage. <laughs> not on my phone, not on desktop. I literally did not know this existed. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, the little, mm-hmm. is it later yet? The unread messages. None of, I, this, it's a whole new world for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's exciting. Ficklets who brought this to my attention. Yeah, I turned off my AO3 inbox a few years ago um, for like comments and stuff. I only get emails and that has horrified some people recently because they're like, oh, do you try to respond? And I'm like, I do. I've been bad about it lately, but I do. And they're like, okay, well, how do you know like what you haven't responded to? And I go, I try to remember. <laughs> <laughs> Horrible. I have Horrible. a sense of which fix of mine I haven't replied to comments on some of them it's like most of the comments some of them I know there's one or two at the bottom dangling that I need to go respond to like it's just it's in there I just keep them unread in my inbox and every so often I look at the number and go whoops (laughs) see for me it's like most of my fix that I get comments on are like comment moderated like I have to approve the comment before it shows up publicly so like if I ever see a notification on either my email or on AO3 I go in and approve the comment but then I don't remember to reply to it because as soon as I approve it, it like gets rid <laughs> right of the notification. <laughs> um, but I want to approve it right away because I feel bad. Like, I don't want them to think I didn't like their comment or something. Like, it's not like people are saying mean stuff. They said something really nice. So I want to approve it. But then I don't actually remember to reply. Just keep it in the dome. I have only ever put comment moderation on one fic and I forgot I did it. And it's my, okay, a number of years ago, I don't know if I've talked about this on the pod, Brenna made a joke about like dropping, but if it was Raylo, and so I wrote that version. Okay, but I forgot I put comment moderation on because I personally 
really don't like Raylo, and I was worried that the Raylos <laughs> were gonna like find it, and I was like, I don't, I don't actually want you here. I think I only tagged it for like either Mark Lee or <laughs> Snoke or maybe yeah. both. <laughs> um, anyway, I completely forgot I had comment moderation on it, and like somewhat recently, like in the past couple months, I went to look at it for some reason and realized I had never approved a comment, and I was like. I'm so sorry. It was a perfectly normal and fine comment. I just forgot. <laughs> oh, that's so good. I love like the unexpected fan works that people engage with. Um, I years ago now did a pod fic of one of my friends fics, but in the fandom, the narrator and the love interest both have accents that are different from my own. Um, so if, uh, this friend did not necessarily sign up to hear my attempt at a, a British accent for 20 minutes, uh, but that happened and I put it on AO3 and somebody bookmarked it. And I was like, who are oh you? My God. <laughs> this was really bad. <laughs> like, thanks, I guess. I hope you like enjoy it. Someday when we um, put things as like a Ko-Fi exclusive for like lots and lots and lots of money, I do think we should put Brenna Grog voice <laughs> under... <laughs> just gave me if you're unfamiliar with grog from critical role i would highly recommend just going on youtube look up like a 10 second clip of him speaking it won't prepare you though (laughs) (laughs) is the issue you know what might prepare you brenna venom i was just gonna say if that's um, a discord exclusive that is a Discord exclusive for mm-hmm. our dear, dear ficlets who gave us anniversary surprises that were so lovely. And then we were like, what if we pod fix some of these and make them r- really good? Just and then even gave better. it back to them like nine months later. Mm-hmm. That's just how it goes sometimes. Uh, anyway, we're so excited to be able to put down the great burden that is this podcast for a bit um, <laughs> and experience life as it should be lived before uh, re- uh, taking on the Sisyphean suffering mm-hmm. um, of making this show. Yeah. Truly, finding fan fiction is my fucking boulder. <laughs> like, like, the amount of times that Brenna and I have been, like, on a call or whatever and have been like, I would rather die than go find <laughs> fan fiction. <laughs> Which is, like, obviously I love this pod and I love doing this pod, but I wish... There was just a well of, like, perfect ficlic picks that just existed for me. But I have to put in the work. And I Could don't I, want by to. myself, continue the pod through the summer, potentially? Like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I would rather not, though. Yeah. It is, like, I think if you had told a younger version of Brenna that she even had a podcast about fanfiction, she'd want to kind of crawl into a hole oh, with same. her. Um... But then also I feel like she'd find the concept that, like, I struggle so badly these days to, like, find things to talk about. And that it's such a burden in my life. <laughs> she'd be like, are you serious right now? I told a friend of mine, I was like, oh, yeah, like, my podcast is, like, we're doing a little, like, summer break. So, like, I just, I think I said my podcast is going on a break. Maybe I'll use that time to catch up on Crit Roll. I won't, but it's nice to say that I will. Um <laughs> And they were like, oh my god, like, drama? Are things okay with you and your co-hosts? I was like, yeah, we're all adults with jobs and we're tired. (laughs) We're fine. We should have fabricated drama for this. This was such a missed opportunity. Are we, okay, do we want to start drama? Oh, yeah, we can start drama right now, easily. Let's talk about our soup opinions. Yeah, I was gonna say. (laughs) actually. We don't don't even need to manufacture anything. We can just talk about fucking soup. Gus Bacho? 
Yeah. Are you okay, kidding? I mean, a warm tomato That's soup gross. is so gross. A warm, a warm tomato, tomato soup, soup is, is five times better. No. A warm tomato soup is terrible. No. Cold tomato soup is also terrible. Oh they are both <laughs> gross. <laughs> we need to take a summer don't, break. Don't feed me tomato <laughs> soup. We're using up our autumnal content. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> That's just a preview. Speaking of rising tension, Reed, let's get into your fic. Yeah, so my fic this episode is Restitutio Ad Integrum by Ergiad SLV for the fandom The Lock Tomb Trilogy. Um, it is Camilla Hecht and Palamides. Oh my god, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say his name wrong. It's gonna happen. Oh well. We've done a couple Locked Tomb fix on the pod. Um, I think the most recent one was Wildly AU. So just in case you haven't listened to those episodes and you aren't familiar, um, I will give you the barest amount of information you need to know about this series, I hope. This fic takes place pre-canon, um, so what you need to know about the canon of this world is that um, necromancy is a magic form that exists. Um, some necromancers have cavaliers who are their personal bodyguards, um, specifically like the sort of like highest necromancer of a house, a house being the planet they are from. Um, their cavaliers, they'll go through like years and years of training. There's a lot of like dedication and devotion happening. A key phrase, one flesh, one end. It makes me feel very ill. Um, and in the first book of the series, Gideon the Ninth, you meet um, from the sixth house, Camilla Hecht and Palamides Sextus. They are like, as with a lot of necromancers and cavaliers, deeply, deeply, deeply bonded to one another, not romantic in the slightest. Um, it is a very deep platonic bond. A lot of people gravitated towards these two, I think very understandably. I will probably get into that a little bit more in the actual discussion. Um, and so this fic that takes place pre-canon imagines some of the, or imagines one of the tests that they might have gone through in sort of their earlier days as Necromancer and Cav, um, sort of seeing if they could merit having that union, I suppose. In the books, you get a sense of what the different houses are like, but a lot of it is just sort of secondhand info. So this fic kind of does imaginings of what the sixth house might be like with the information we were given and sort of like the vibes of what we think the sixth house are. But again, this is all kind of just like a speculative pre-canon fic. So with that, to um, briefly get into the plot of this fic, it's not that long, it's just over 4k, um, but to get into the plot and the content warning, um, the content warning would be poisoning. Um, maybe also like medical distress, because the plot of this fic is that they are going through some kind of exam and Palamides walks into the room and is like, hmm, I wonder what we're supposed to do. And Camilla's like, hmm, I'm pretty sure I've been poisoned. And you have a set amount of time that I'm guessing is 45 minutes to figure out what is wrong with me and how to cure it. Otherwise, I'll die. Um, Camilla's like, oh, I guess that's what the waiver I signed was about. <laughs> yep. Like up to and including death. And Palamides is like, Surely they wouldn't kill you. And Camilla's like, mm, I don't know about that one, Warden. Um, yeah, so that is the plot of the fic. Is um, It's from Camilla's POV. It's first person. Um, and it is her and Palamity is trying to work together to figure out, again, how she has been poisoned, how to fix it. I liked this so, so much. As I said in my little intro spiel, um, a lot of people, I think, in reading Gideon really gravitated towards these two. I heard from a number of friends like, oh, no, I like them so much. I spoilers for Gideon, like, I hope we get to see them in the future. That doesn't seem likely. Spoilers for the rest of the books you do. Um, so I was delighted to sort of um, take a look at these two and, like, this imagining of pre-canon. Yeah, I just really liked it. My co-hosts, what did you think? 
I loved this story. I thought it was super fun. It's not very long, which is always nice. Um, and I think I'm just always going to be such a sucker for a fun POV. I am a first person POV defender in fan fiction. Um, this might be strong. I think anyone who immediately is like, that's a no-go is actively a coward. Um, I understand where it comes from. There are certainly first-person POV stories I'm not interested in reading. There just also are stories of all POVs I'm not interested in reading. And I think when someone does something like this that is considered quote-unquote unpopular or unusual in this particular genre, I love it because it's fun and it's interesting and it's new and it's fresh. So I loved it. Um, I really liked the characterization. I thought it was well done. I have quite a lot of Locked Tomb feelings in my heart and soul. Uh, when Electo eventually comes out, it will be my entire personality for the span of reading it and a bit after, um, just to like brace the people around me for that. Most of them are in the same boat, so I feel like that's fine. Well, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, as though our book club isn't gonna be like intensely in the buddy room. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just be like gnawing on that book because I can't like cancel it. Yeah, that sounds that sounds right. Oh my gosh, yes. Um, I also think it was very inventive. I liked how much we got of like the pre-canon because we get so little of that in the books, at least for this particular duo and their particular kind of setting. Um, yeah, I don't know. It really worked for me. Um, this is Ergiad SLV, um, an author of the pod that we're familiar with and who I think just writes really good fan fiction that I tend to like a lot. Yeah. So I was pleased to see their name again. And I just had a really good time with this fic. I'm excited to talk about it more. Yeah, I also enjoyed this. Um, I mean, I love Camilla and Palamides, Cam and Pal, Cam Pal. Um, they're great. They are definitely two of my favorite characters within the Locked Tomb universe. So it's always fun to get a little bit more of them. Um, and as yeah, as Reed mentioned, it's there's sort of two characters where you're like, oh, that's so sad, and then you're like, oh, we have them back, but then also more tragic things happen. Um, so it was fun to like go back in time a little bit, but also like you know what faces them in the future of canon. <laughs> so you know it's tinged with melancholy and sadness and grief and you know specters of all of those things as everything <laughs> in the locked tomb is. Um, yeah, I also think like yeah, as both of my co-hosts said, like we don't really know a lot can canonically about the other houses and especially how like those houses choose their necromancer and cavalier pairs or like any of that sort of process um so i always enjoy fic that sort of expands canon and hypothesizes on areas of it that we haven't seen especially when it's done so well like this and like can really fit into canon so neatly um so i will definitely be adopting this into my own head canons of the locked tomb um i thought it was really interesting i thought the characterization was great I did have a slight, I think the ending didn't work for me as well as it did for my co-hosts, um, but I don't think that's necessarily like it's bad writing. I think it was just like personal preference. Um, and like funnily enough, a similar thing in the fic I brought didn't work for Reed where it really worked for me. So I think like <laughs> your mileage may vary on some choices that are made. Um, but again, not in a way where I'm like, I think this is the wrong choice that was made here or anything like that. Um, I think just like I was sort of craving a different sort of move than what the author made, but I can still like respect how they decided to execute it. 
Yeah, I probably should have said um, spoilers for, like, I don't know exactly what we'll get into, but like, probably spoilers, at least through Gideon, maybe through the rest of the series as is currently exists, which is Nona. Um, I don't know. Nona's been out for like a while now. So if you are, if you're in the middle of reading the series, maybe skip this discussion and come back to it once you're caught up. Um, But what? I was just winking at the listener. (laughs) Who oh, needs to okay. go finish it and come back? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, th- thank you for silent winking at me with sort of a dead expression that really indicated it wasn't for what you. you wanted to convey. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I again, I mentioned this a little bit, but I think um, I don't know. I feel like one of the reasons that I feel like myself and I think so many of our friends have like gravitated towards these two as a duo, especially in Gideon. A, because they're fun. There are some like really horrible people you meet in Gideon that are just like, you're like, you're the worst. And these two are so fun, even as they're actively uh, like- I love everyone. For sure, for sure. Yeah? Silas, Dr. <laughs> Kizaran, your favorite? Yeah. Nibirius. My favorite guy. Okay, Nibirius is like, <laughs> he's the worst, but he's fun. Nibirius is who Reed would be in you're- this- once again, you've said world. this on the pod before, and I maintain it's one of the meanest things you've ever said to yeah, me. Yeah, it's actually, like, genuinely very cruel. It's just the vibe. I don't know how to explain Why? it. I don't think that's the vibe at all. A little. If you like, haven't a, read the series, he's, way. he's pompous. He's full of himself. He's like, good at sword fighting. So okay. is Camilla. That's why I dressed up like her for Halloween yeah, last year. Come I on. dressed up like Yante. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but I'm not good at horrible flesh I think necromancy. I you were going to be one of the twins, I think I'd make you Corona. Ne- Me? Naughty, I'm yeah. Oh. oh, I would absolutely also make you Corona. No, yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, listen, we're getting off track. Oh, sorry. Uh, one of the things that I think people really like about these two is that they have this like deep, deep bond, but also that it is platonic. I feel like that is not something that I personally see a lot in fiction. Like, it's quite literally undying devotion um or dying to de- i don't know how you want to frame that one yeah even in death cousins, still devoted they? we learned that in like are they i think they are some form of cousins i don't know if they're like first cousins yeah. but it was like a whole thing online because some people shipped them early like after gideon and then we like learned in some little extra excerpt thingy that tamsin put online somewhere ah. that they're like somehow related in a family tree and then yeah. you thankfully know, that you did not ju- kick off any discourse in fandom <laughs> no everyone <laughs> was super not. cool <laughs> okay but if you only read gideon you don't know that there's some kind of cousins and no. i think it is really no. nice to see a relationship like theirs. They're also just, again, they're like deeply likable characters. Um, and being in Camilla's POV in this fic, I feel like really highlighted that because they're both kind of like dry and it, they're not like trying to be humorous, but they like this fic is still like funny in parts. I don't know. It's Camilla's got like such a specific vibe to her that I think this fic captured so, so well. Um, yeah, I just, I like these two so much. And so coming across this fic, especially for it being like Yuletide 2020, I was like, this makes so much sense. Like Locked Tomb, I think, has always been like prime Yuletide bait until now where it no longer qualifies because there's too many fics. Um, and this is like exactly the kind of fic that I would have wanted if I had read Gideon in 2020 and like went into Yuletide and was like, more Campal, please, anything. I'm begging you. I love them. And I'm sad because Pal dies in Gideon, except he's back. Spoilers. But then he's also not back. Paul, everyone's favorite. I, oh, have I ever? 
I was gonna say if I ever hate anything like I've hated Paul. Yeah, many things much more than Paul, but Paul upsets yeah. me. <laughs> and Paul upsets me, but I don't hate Paul. No, I don't hate Paul. I just, Paul aside, <laughs> I really enjoyed being in Camilla's POV. I really like these two so much. One of my favorite things about this fic is that it kind of reads like a thriller. Um, it very much is like a character and dynamic study and also like a world building study and it's about their relationship with one another but there is that thriller element of the clock ticking um, I think about uh, I watched this actually kind of recently even though it's from years and years ago um, what's your face Donna Tart uh, did an interview about suspense and she said basically a successful suspense novel or a scene is really the equivalent metaphorically of two people sitting across each other at a table and neither of them realizing that under the table there is a bomb and it Ooh. is ticking. Yeah. Um, in this case, Campal do know that there is something ticking um, and their awareness, I think, really works in a first person POV. There's that kind of sharpness to it. There's that um, interoception, if you will, the sense of Camilla constantly trying to understand the sensations happening inside of her body and what they might mean and what parts of her body things are happening in. Um, I don't know. I just find it super duper interesting. Super duper. I'm like a, a fucking nerd anyway. Like, obviously, <laughs> but I, I just heard myself say that. I was like, wow. Anyway, um, I'm just trying to say I thought that the structure was effective and more so than the structure, I guess, the premise and genre combinations really worked for me. Um, the medical details that were sprinkled in worked super well for me, someone who doesn't know anything about uh, medical stuff. Uh, if there are any doctor ficklets in the crowd, I would love to hear your take on this, actually. Um, like, how does it scan? I feel like sometimes um, it's not time for my takes on fictional therapists and psychologists and the <laughs> mental health field it's not um but if it was no it's not <laughs> another time ficklets we don't have time for this um but you know people write different kinds of like fields with different levels of expertise and different levels of research and as a casual reader this scanned super well to me i felt like i was following it while also not knowing what was going on and that made sense because i'm not someone who theoretically should have had the knowledge to know what was going on in this context so i liked it yeah i mean i think what you were saying nick like the mix of genres is something that always has like very much pulled me towards the locked tomb as a series so it's very fun to watch people who are writing fan fiction sort of also do that in their own works um i mean i think these are genres that sort of already exist within the locked tomb but it definitely like takes it further in different directions which i really enjoyed uh and I also liked sort of the fucked up tension about like whether or not they thought the people conducting this test were actually willing to let Camilla die. Um, because another thing about like the Locked Tomb universe is that there are sort of a limited number of people that exist. Um, people can procreate, but like they aren't really like doing so at a rapid pace. And like a lot of, well, at first it was readers we just know that the ninth house is in trouble because that's all that our characters know about but i think as we get further in the series we sort of realize as readers that like a lot of the houses were probably in trouble and that like population was probably not being sustained um and so we can kind of assume that the sixth house does not have like a massive population uh and so in this fic there is sort of this tension between 
pal being like, you know, like you're important. They wouldn't let you die. Like there's got to be a fail safe. Like we can figure this out. And it's definitely a test. And I'm definitely worried about it. And I'm going to take it seriously. And Camilla being like, um, bestie, they really might just let me die. <laughs> um, which I thought was really interesting because I just felt like that also really like raised the stakes of this fic and like added a really interesting element, sort of that tension between our two main characters working on this thing. Like, I feel like usually when you have sort of a like diffuse the bomb-esque situation, which like, again, this is a medical thing, but it has that feeling of like, we have to figure this out before the time ticks down. Like BBC Sherlock. Exactly sure. like BBC um, Sherlock. <laughs> it is. Like, you're not wrong. I just don't want to go there. Yeah, no, that's fine. It's just a quick for listeners who might not know. Like, usually the characters are on the same page of like, okay, well, if this goes off, then we die or whatever. And so it was interesting to add that layer of tension between like, how seriously do we need to take this? Um, which I thought was a very clever choice on the part of the author and just like added an interesting sort of layer to the fic. Bren, I feel like it works so well, both in terms of the tension of this fic and also in sort of like highlighting their character differences. Because especially in Gideon the Ninth, like, understandably, the two of them are very aligned. They're very in step. There's a lot of sort of like unspoken things that go between them that uh, like allude to a history of knowing each other really well and communicating really well. Um, but in this fic, I think especially because it's pre-canon and we don't know how old they are. I did find out when we were doing our pre-discussion that in Gideon, they're both like 20, which is bonkers. Yeah, I thought they were horrifying. not like much, much older than that, but I did think they were in their like, I don't know, like so, late yeah. 20s, early 30s. Anyway, in this fic, I think like Camilla's realism about like, hey, I know that I am important to you, but I am replaceable and you are not. Her sort of like steadfast, like, yeah, I signed a waiver and it's not for nothing. Like they could kill me because the test is not only about can you figure out this poison and save me? The test is, okay, but if you don't save me, then what? Then how do you react to this? And Pal's sort of, um, his almost like refusal to admit that she could die I feel like it speaks a little bit to like, because like Palamity seems so put together in the books, but like he's a kid here. He's young. He wouldn't have like all of the answers. He would be stressed about stuff. And he also probably would not handle very well if Camilla died, especially died because he wasn't competent enough to figure out what was killing her. Um, I don't know. I liked, yeah, I liked so much the, the tension it added, the depth of character and also sort of like, um, yeah, what it says about them, I think, at this current time. And I think back to the conversation of genre, too, tying in with that, like, I find it really, like, interesting to compare because I've been getting much, much more into reading books as well in the last couple of years. Um, back into it, I should say. Um, I find it interesting to compare, like, how genre functions in fic versus in published original work. Um so much fic has this added dimension of character that a lot of published books kind of can't unless you're looking at uh, a series for example when the second third fourth books are developing the characters from the first book a little bit further and more deeply there are definitely exceptions um, but I found myself in published work thinking more about aspects other than just character I feel like reading fic for so long made me really primed to want character driven stories um, at least the way that my own brain works. And that's still true. I love a character-driven story. If the character's flat in a book, I'm going to like it a lot less, <laughs> generally. Um, but it's been interesting to think about as I read 
some kind of like semi-autobiographical novels. Uh, recently, I read uh, A Minor Chorus by Billy Ray Belcourt, and I'm currently reading On Earth We're Briefly Gorgeous by Ocean Vuong, both of which I think fall under that category. And it's not so much like the fun of like pushing characters to limits and seeing what they'll do. It's not like the drama of romance. It's very much character as a vehicle for other things. Um, so I don't know. I just find that like really interesting to think. I'll have more to say about that with my fic as well. But one of my favorite things about this fic and about a lot of fan fiction is that we can have different genres that also still have that depth of character that you might not get in published original work of the same genre as frequently. Yeah, so I want to talk a little bit about the one aspect that didn't work quite as well for me personally. I think it's something that both of my co-hosts did enjoy about this fic. But there's a part where Cam, um, overwhelmed by the poison that she has... Uh, taken into her body somehow um inhaled we think um passes out <laughs> and then wakes up after uh Palamides has solved um the like the test and that she's gonna be okay uh and it kind of bummed me out that we missed basically what I saw is like the climax of the fic I think now it's honestly been like two weeks since I read this um and with a little bit of distance I can better appreciate why the author made this choice but I still am someone who I just like those big moments of like climactic tension so I kind of wanted to see like how he solved it like I felt a little bit bummed that I like didn't get to see what the sort of answer was from Palamides in that moment. Um, I mean, he like talks about it afterwards, like what it was and stuff, but like I wanted to see him actually like have to do it in the moment. Um, and obviously we're in Cam's perspective. So if she's passed out, like we can't, <laughs> like it only makes sense. Um, but yeah, I think that was the one thing that like didn't quite work for me. Um, and I am like, I think these are the choices that sometimes get made in, I mean, I don't know. I was going to say these choices get made in fan fiction. They wouldn't in a published work. But published work skips over scenes I want all the time <laughs> or chooses scenes I don't want all the time. I love your your TikTok series that is literally just books that I think should be shorter. <laughs> yeah, like almost every book I read I think should be shorter. <laughs> That's like not true for fan fiction because so much fan fiction is like short. And I feel like a gripe I have with published fiction, especially in the sci-fi fantasy space, is that like publishers seem to think the books need to be long. And I'm like, yeah, they can still be long without being like 600 pages. <laughs> like, cut some of that out. Oh, my God. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that being said, um, yeah, I, I did kind of wish that we saw like a little bit. I don't know. I just wanted to see Palamides freak out a little bit. Like, it's again, we've talked about him as a very like, I don't know, like level headed character. Oftentimes, like both him and Cam tend to be very just like down to business um, compared to some of the other characters in the Lock Tomb series. And I like when a like level headed and calm character freaks out. Um, it brings me joy <laughs> as a person. I loved the climactic choice i think this really actually highlighted the ways in which brenna and i are different readers <laughs> in like a very distilled form it's kind of amazing actually um because i thought as a rhetorical choice it totally worked for the story um and this does highlight the fact that i am often a not a form and style over substance person but the content can look a lot of different ways for me and if i think that it was done in an interesting way 
that served like the greater rhetorical goals of the story, I'm completely on board, kind of regardless of what happens, even with situations that other people might find um, a little bit whack or boring or weird or unsatisfying. Not so much with this fic, but I think especially there are some books I've read that I'm like, I understand the negative reviews and I think you're all so wrong. <laughs> and I understand this better than you ever could. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I like it because to me, the point is that like it was never about whether she was gonna die or not and also camilla getting decentered from this even though we're in her perspective also makes a lot of sense with like the arc of palamides test and how much is going on and how much camilla kind of gives herself over to it and to him as a cavalier so yeah i think like on the metaphorical level which i tend to value a lot it really worked well for me Okay, it's me. So I'm going to close out this section by reading a little bit of the fic because I love to do that. Um, I don't know. I just want to like highlight, I think, both the pros of this fic and also what their dynamic is like, especially if you're not familiar with the locked tomb. So after Palamides has, in fact, saved Camilla um, and she wakes up in the infirmary, they are talking about, because they have like more exams to go to, um, but they're sort of recapping what just happened. And um, I'm sorry, again, I'm going to probably pronounce something in here like a clown, but... Uh, Pal goes, we're lucky it wasn't neoplatoxin. I'd had no idea how to treat that one. I don't think nine strains have been on the course syllabus for ages. I didn't miss his use of the past tense. He might not have known the treatment when we were in the exam room, but he'd had time while waiting for me to wake up. He would know it now. Ugh, I like them so much. Tamsin Muir, if you are listening to this podcast, Fit Click, um, a, can you send us some arcs of Electo? And B, I know that you're already <laughs> done writing it, but can they? I want them to have. Oh, I was yeah, gonna say you a know good the ending. That's like a do not separate, but it's like separate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna leave it there. Yeah. Um, great fic, great book series. Ergiad SLV once again with a banger of a fic. I loved this. I love Campal. <laughs> separate. Okay, bye. <laughs> but also, yeah, Tamsin, if you do listen to this yeah, podcast, hey. which I highly doubt you do, but like in case you do, we would love ARCs. <laughs> yeah, Brenda and I both have uh, platforms just saying uh -huh. we review books. So Can we, and yeah. like, sorry, I know I'm going to be kind of greedy with this, but there's actually um, six people in our book club. So if we get like six <laughs> ARCs, please, thank you so yeah, much. Can we just have like a few more? <laughs> okay, thank you. Cam and Pal have to take a test. Lan Wang Ji wonders what comes next. <laughs> They're in love in cloud recess. And we're about to talk about the fic on our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, yeah. Brenna? <laughs> Loved it. So my fic for this episode was Life is Very Long by Vamile Pudding. I hope that's how you say it. It could be Vamile Pudding. Um, I'm not sure. But this is a fic for the TV show The Untamed. Uh, the relationship is Long Wanji and Wei Wuxian, but it is an outsider POV. It sort of switches back and forth between Jin Ling and Zhang Cheng um, from their perspectives as they go about their business and also stick their noses into other people's business <laughs> because that's what they're good at. Um, 
if you like know me slash if you've listened to this podcast before, I mean, one, I, I love The Untamed. This is obvious. But two, I am also a Jinling and Jungchung apologist. I really like them as characters and I particularly like them in fan fiction. I think people do very fun things with their characters. And I think there's a lot to explore there, um, especially because like they're repressed as hell. Um, so like, why, why not dig into that? <laughs> um this fic um, is mostly about Jinling becoming convinced that Long Wanji and Wei Wuxian have an unhealthy relationship and that they should get divorced and then recruiting his uncle, Zheng Cheng, to help him with that. Um, spoiler alert, Long Wanji and Wei Wuxian are fine. Um, <laughs> Jinling doesn't understand things about adults. Um, it's very funny. I feel like a lot of Jinling POV fics tend to be very funny. He is like a relatively comedic character and fics definitely take advantage of that. Um, I think if you liked one of the Untamed fics we talked about very early in this pod, um, the absolutely true story of the Yiling Patriarch, you might also enjoy this one. I feel like the Jinling outsider POV has some similarities, um, even though the stories are different. In terms of content warnings, I honestly think if you're familiar with, like, the Untamed canon, like, you'll be fine. There is, like, an on-screen, like, poisoning and injury. It is not graphic, and it does not seriously threaten anyone. Um, And then sort of the other thing is just, like, the presumed unhealthy relationship that the whole time you're reading it, you know is fine, but also Jinling doesn't know this. So uh, take that as you will when entering your reading journey. Um, yeah, I'm excited to talk about this one. It's, I, I wanted to bring something funny. Um, so. Yes, I did appreciate that this fic was, um, humorous, as you said, Brent. I mean, in general, I feel like in the past couple months, we have trended towards heavier, more serious fics. And so it's always like nice when we get a little bit of a palate cleanser. I, oh my God, I always, underestimate's not the right word. I always, like, um, do not correctly judge how much untamed knowledge I have because I'm like, (laughs) Brenna and I have watched some of the show and I've read fics, so I know things. And then there were so many names in this fic where I was like, SOS, SOS. I was, like, Googling. Like, I am so sorry. I did not know who Lan Jing Yi was. Um, A couple things like that. Um, I know, like, Nick's knowledge is based off of modern AUs. So, like, between the two of us, we're really a pair. (laughs) I get surprised every time a character's dead. Because I'm like, wait, no. (laughs) They were at, like, the engagement party. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, I The thing that I know most about Jin Ling, he is in some of the episodes that I've seen. But the thing I know most about him is that he's got a million uncles. In this fic, it's mostly just two uncles. But um, the memes about his uncles are what I know. Anyway, the point of this being... I enjoyed this and I think it helps that it was humorous um, because it was in like outside POVs and because I have less canon knowledge than I think I do. Um, it was nice to have something that was relatively easy to get into. And Brent, I can't remember your exact wording, but you said something like, you know, the the presumed unhealthy relationship, but Jin Ling is like a child, so he doesn't know what's going on. One of my favorite things about this fic, Zhang Chung, not a child. yeah Zheng Cheng not a child just an idiot (laughs) Jin Ling shows up and is like I think that Wang Xian have an unhealthy relationship and Zheng Cheng is like you don't know anything and then he's like oh my god no you're right and I was like please please (laughs) but like also Zheng Cheng primed to always believe the worst about Wang Ji who he hates oh yeah 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 no of course um I just thought that was very humorous I was like I cannot wait to see how Zheng Cheng gets like wrapped up into this there's also yeah I think Jing Yi has a POV a couple times in this fic as well um it's a fic that Nick maybe you're the one who said this in pre-discussion I think it's a fic that works well because because you know that Wang Xian are fine and like not in a bad relationship um is what helps like make it humorous I think if you like didn't know that you could be like oh my god what's going on here but instead it's like just a 
series of comedic misunderstandings. As Brent alluded to in my discussion, there are parts of this fic specifically with the ending and stuff that is like withheld or not seen on screen that did not work for me as much as it worked for my co-hosts, um, which I will probably get into, especially as like a contrast to what Bren was saying. Um, and I think it's entirely reader preference, like what each of us gravitates towards and likes or doesn't like in a fic as much. Um, but overall, like I had a lot of fun with this. It is a very fun and funny fic. Yeah, I think this really only works as fic to some degree. Um, because I think there could be a sinister undercurrent of concern about what is going on, specifically because as an outsider POV, we get this like, I don't know, almost like Jin Ling's cherry picked perspective on things and Jiang Chung's concern about certain things. We get like random concerning quotes um, from one of Wang Xian and the other one responding in a certain way and this like worry. And I think because it's not only because it's fake, but because this ship is so dominant in this fandom um, and because, I don't know, I think they're in my home, um, how do I say this? Considered one of the greatest love stories in history and almost beat Spurk in a ult ship bracket mm. uh, that happened a little while back. Wow, what a. I have never seen Spurksters so <laughs> worked up. Mm -hmm. They all came out of the. I mean, I love Wang Xian, but like, <laughs> Spurk is right there. <laughs> right. Like, respect your history. Um, so right. true. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Like, because it's such a huge ship that people tend to like and that people tend to know the reasons why it, like, works and how it's beautiful and they help each other heal from trauma. Because we're so sure that it's a good relationship for both of them, it allows the fic to be funny. And I think, honestly, if it were a different fandom that I had no idea of anything about or if it were a ship that I were less convinced of I would not have had such a good time with this story so I think like it very much is um, this story could have only been told in this like particular fandom and ship and way uh, for it to be a good time so I'm glad that the author made the choices that they did for it to be enjoyable also speaking to the ending uh, maybe I just am realizing I don't need to see the climax at all <laughs> I'm good <laughs> I'm not worried about it <laughs> it's fine if I if I believe that it could be happening somewhere else like sure that's this is not a blanket statement <laughs> but for these two fix it is and you know I've read things Books, especially where you see the climax and you're like, this is nonsense. <laughs> so maybe sometimes it's better not to know. Oh. <laughs> yeah, huge move. I take comfort in um, ignorance. I think, yeah, Nick, what you were saying, like, this only works as fan fiction, I think totally true. You probably could pull something like this in a book, but you'd have to flush it out so much more to give the readers an understanding of the central dynamic before or like along the way. Um, so that they aren't concerned about the main couple. Uh, I think also, though, like, I don't want to put intentions on the author of this that they might not have had, but reading it as someone who's been in the Untamed fandom, I felt like there was a little bit of, like, poking fun at certain f sides of fandom a little bit in this, because here's the other thing. In the show The Untamed, like, our main couple do not get to be, like, physically together romantically or sexually on screen. Like, this is a C-drama. There are there is censorship. Um, we are like, oh, they're in love. They keep saying they're soulmates, like, et cetera, et cetera. Like, but they don't, like, kiss. Um, they do a lot in the modern AUs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the book is much more explicit in certain ways. And the sexual relationship that Wang Xian has 
has elements that aren't included in the TV show, um, including some preferences of theirs that might seem a little bit concerning. Um, so I feel like there's there's parts of fandom who like knew this about the book or who had read little excerpts but then watch the show and then we're like, oh, this is like a really unhealthy dynamic. Like, why do you ship this? Like, this is so messed up. I can't believe they like X, Y, and Z. Like, isn't the author just promoting like X, Y, and Z? Um, so I feel like this is a little bit, I was like reading it a little bit like laughing to mm. myself because I feel like Jin Ling kind of stands in a little bit for like parts of fandom who didn't see the full picture of the relationship. Um, and obviously this is not to say like you can't dislike certain elements of how Wang Shen's relationship are in the book. Like that's your prerogative to either vibe with it or not. Um, but I don't think it's both. I don't know. I haven't actually read it. So like all of my information is also secondhand. Am I also sort of Jin Ling? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Um, am I more like Shizue? Probably. Um, who's also like on the outside, but is a little bit more like, that's just how they are. Um, I like that we've apparently brought two fix with fandoms that had discourse somewhere in the background about characters <laughs> and shipping or not shipping. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. So yeah, I totally agree with you, Nick, that like, I feel like this one can, is a fic that could only exist as fic and like probably also could kind of only exists as Wang Xian. Um, and definitely, like, certainly not just, like, any other pairing. Um, but I also feel like it has layers of, like, if you have only watched the show, you might get these parts. If you've also read the books, you might get a little bit more layers or, like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. If you've been in fandom and, like, seen the discourse, there might be another layer of, like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Again, I don't know how intentional anything was on the part of the author, but, like, that's what I was picking up on as a reader, and that, like, also made it fun. Um... I think one thing I really enjoy about outsider POVs, especially when they're humorous, is that you get like, sometimes you get these like hijinks. Um, I love Jin Ling's little like spy chronicles and sending people to go spy for him and like trying to hold an intervention and getting Jiang Chang wrapped up and everything. Like, I think there's such a, a humor to complicated plans that are specifically related to trying to stop something that is not happening. <laughs> um, there's a huge amount of dramatic irony here that I think is utilized super well, because you as the reader are never like, yes, divorce them, Jin Lee. <laughs> like, not, not only do you know that they're fine, you also know he's not going to succeed. <laughs> uh, so you're just watching him do a bunch of nonsense for the entire story. Um, same thing with Jiang Chang. There's an incredibly funny section. I'm sure we'll talk more about it when he is reading a book um, to prepare for this intervention. Um, and I think the fruitlessness of their actions continually adds a levity to this story, um, where, like I said, I think it could have been heavy if it were done in a different way. And the author consistently made choices that wouldn't go in that direction that kept us being able to like show up here and say this was a funny story even though it does ostensibly about suspected domestic violence um like actually it is a story about love and also about <laughs> um a nosy teen <laughs> doing shenanigans this is reminding me a little bit of the witcher fic that bren brought who knows how long ago um incomplete by astala it's a yaskier pov it's like girl amir yes. but it's yaskier pov and like this is a whack comparison. I'm like, Yaskier, Jin Ling, handshake emoji, but like, 
<laughs> just kind of like really silly funny i mean um as previously discussed on the pod i'm by no means a yasky or fic expert but he really makes for a very comedic character and like a very comedic pov to be in um and i think it like functions similarly here that because like jinling and Chung Chung are just such big personalities who are perhaps prone to overreactions and not waiting to find out the truth about things before they feel very strongly um yeah it just really lends to like the humor of this fic yeah i honestly love a good outsider pod like this is not something i knew about myself until we probably started doing fic click and i started reading a little bit more widely um i used to feel very strongly like i want to be i want to be in it with a couple um and now i'm like not all outsider pov is good but like when it's good it can really hit and it can also like be really funny um i don't know i i i have become more of a fan for sure uh and i think also like the jinling and jungchung povs here like again they're just clowns in the best way for me personally they are my little court jesters um even though they take themselves so <laughs> seriously i think that's what's so funny about them to me always is like jinling is someone who like I feel like sadly didn't really get to have a very good childhood um, and like was mostly raised by like emotionally repressed men. So he has become an emotionally repressed man. Um, Isn't he also like 17 in this fic? So he's like still a kid. Yeah. Okay. But like, you know, in the world of the untamed, like I feel like 17 makes you an adult. Because he's he's (laughs) sect leader. Go off to war, child. (laughs) Um, Yeah, he is. He is a sect leader by this point. Um. Yeah, speaking of emotional repression, I do think one of the funniest parts is when Jung Chung decides to get, like, a self-help book to, like, figure out how to talk to Wei Wuxian about, like, getting a divorce. 17 easy <laughs> steps to holding an intervention. Which is, like, honestly a nicer way of doing it than I think Jung Chung in canon would, would actually do. <laughs> He'd probably just, like, try and beat him up <laughs> and be like, listen to me. <laughs> oh, God. Um, uh, I, I doubt he'd actually manage to, like, hit him, but, you know... <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he'd choose to read a book. That's not really like his traditional MO. But it makes it even funnier here. Um I adored that. I don't know. This but this fic just like really made me laugh and the self-help book part like in particular I thought was just like hysterical. Um especially how he like regrets not reading the full thing after things really go off the rails with um their conversation with Wei Wuxian. I'm looking at my notes right now and there's a bit where it's like in italics, step five, don't corner them. If they're not ready to talk about it, don't push the matter. And then the fic goes, Jung Chung can't quite keep himself from being harsh, which is a direct violation of steps nine, 10, and 17. Wei Wuxian, answer the question. <laughs> it's like peak comedy. It's so funny. Yeah, it's he does. He also doesn't finish reading it. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a part toward the end where it's like, damn, he really should have read the rest of the steps because this is not going well. And it's like, you did not follow the steps that you did read, my guy. <laughs> <laughs> also, just the existence of this book at all or pamphlet or whatever it was is so funny to me. Um, I don't know, like just in the setting that someone like published this and that he went and sought it out when we're also ostensibly in canon. I mean, I have not seen the Untamed, the Untamed or read MDZS. Um, I, to my understanding, there are not like self-help books <laughs> uh, featured in the series. I could be wrong, um, but I love that it is featured here because it was very, very good. It was maybe my favorite part of the story. I would like to discuss the poisoning. That's not really true. I just wanted to mention it. Um, <laughs> very early on in the story, um, Wei Wuxian is 
poisoned. That's unfortunate. Um, and ends up having to go stay with Lan Wangji for a bit. Um, and they're in love, et cetera, et cetera. They're doing their thing. Um, but I do find it funny, like, reading fic for the untamed. Again, just my experience. I've read, like, over a million words of fic for the untamed by this point, though. So actually, like, not bad. Um, modern AUs, but especially not modern AUs. This guy cannot catch an effing break. <laughs> this guy, he's getting poisoned. He's getting concussed. He's being confronted with his fear of dogs. He's experiencing, like, flashbacks to childhood trauma. He's being stabbed. He's getting, like, oh, it's so brutal. I'm like, my guy. Wait, we should in the very horrible, no good, bad day or whatever it is. Yeah. It's a shame. Um, I mean, I think it sounds like it makes sense for his character to my understanding. And again, um, I will always support uh, the people out here who are writing their wump and hurt comfort. I understand the impulse and I respect it deeply. And sometimes I just want to read someone having a really bad time and then having a better time later through the power of love. I think that's actually beautiful. Um, and then I have to think about how in real life, sometimes you have to take care of yourself and also navigate uh, relationships in two directions, not just in one direction where you are so injured that you are then kind of released from the obligation of having to offer parts of yourself up to somebody else. Anyway, um, this is really reminding me of the discussion about the Wang Xian fic you brought for your birthday. <laughs> yes. Okay, literally, yes. Wang Xian authors understand this particular vibe and this it's a pattern in these stories. Um, so I just I thought it was fun <laughs> that he got poisoned. So sorry to him. <laughs> But I think, it, I think it just made sense. <laughs> Yay, poisoning! <laughs> Whoops. So as previously established in this conversation, um, the two main POVs that we have are Zheng Cheng and Jin Ling, but we also get, I think it's two different scenes from Jing Yi's POV. Um, and one of them is happens during the climax, and this is where I come to the, like, this didn't work as well for me personally. Um, so... Zheng Cheng and Jin Ling sit Wei Wei Shan down. They, like, pull him away on some some fake, like, they're like, we're going on a night hunt, but all of Lang Wenji's skills will not work for this creature, so he can't come with us. And then they're like, okay, actually, um, we have a divorce lawyer coming by. Um, we think you need to get divorced from Lang Wenji. This is a bad relationship. And Wei Wei Shan's like, what on earth? Um, and then Lang Wenji shows up, and some of that conversation is in, I can't remember which one, but one of their POVs. And then it switches to Jing Yi's POV, who has come along with... Lang Wanji, and it's Jingyi and I think Shizui, who are standing outside of this house, who are only getting, like, snippets of the conversation and, like, the yelled things that are coming through um, as this divorce lawyer shows up. And I think, like, uh, very similar to what Bren was saying with my fic, like, for a fic like this, I wanted so badly, like, that scene of Wei Wuxian being like, you guys are clowns, like, kind of debunking maybe some which he does a little bit but like debunking some of the things that they've like misunderstood or like uh misinterpreted and just sort of that like i love him he is so good to me etc cetera, etc cetera. i don't know that kind of like um the kind of like i guess reveal of the dramatic irony to the characters whose povs we've been in i for me for a fic like this like i kind of wanted that on screen um and so the fact that we got it mostly through like half overheard snippets from Jingyi's POV who like Jingyi and Shizui do not fully know what's going on. Um, I fully get like why that felt like fun and good for my co-host. I think for me, it's just like exactly what Brenna said about my fic. I don't think the author made like the wrong choice. It's just not the one that I would have preferred for a story like this. So that hit a little bit less well for me. It was less of that like 
all in to the fan fiction-y tropes that I was kind of hoping for. I think for me, like, the, the difference between the two a little bit was, like, when I was reading the Untamed fic, I didn't necessarily think that there was a lot that we were missing. Um, I kind of was like, okay, well, like, Wei Wuxian said one thing, and that's probably all the explanation they're gonna get, so I guess Jin Ling and Zhang Chang will just have to fucking deal. <laughs> um... Versus, like, knowing that we missed more. But I also get how it could read, like, there's a bunch to that conversation that we missed. Um, I think I just assumed that there wasn't, but, like, maybe that's not the correct assumption. I think also I just maybe wanted a little bit more, like, because, like, because after that, like, Zhang Cheng and Jin Ling do just sort of have to deal with it. And I was like, but were they given enough reason to, like, give up this crusade? I don't know. I, we don't know if they were. They could easily pick it back up next time. No, that's true. I think, yeah, like I said, I think I just like wanted a little bit more from that mm-hmm. scene, like on screen. I just thought it was funny that the author was so committed to our POV character not actually knowing what was going on that once Jin Ling and Jung Chung had any idea of what was going on, <laughs> they got yeeted out of their heads. <laughs> yeah, also absolutely valid. not. There will be no knowing allowed. No, no accurate <laughs> no, perception of objective reality. <laughs> not in this story yeah so i think if you're looking for just like a fun time especially if you already like the characters and the world of the untamed i would definitely recommend this one um just a little bit on the lighter fluffier side i love characters being clowns in brenna's fic characters incorrectly assume that the relationship between lang wenji and mei Wuxian is bad and they should not have it in nick's fic Many of Johnny's friends correctly assume that a relationship with the devil is a bad idea, but he does go through with it anyway. Nick? My fic for this episode is A Cornstalk Fiddle by Not Because of Victories. This is a fic for The Devil Went Down, sorry, it's just Devil Went Down to Georgia song. Our relationship is the devil slash Johnny. Our characters are Johnny and the devil and some original characters. I'm going to read the additional tags because I think they give a pretty good sense of this story. Um, they are music, Americana, deal with the devil, body horror, theology, souls, Bluegrass, blues, and prophetic dreams. So this is about Johnny, our main guy um, from Devil Went Down to Georgia, who before the beginning of this fic has a fiddle off with the devil. That sounds dirty. It's real. (laughs) They play fiddles against each other and Johnny wins and receives the devil's fiddle. So in our opening scene, he has this fiddle. And throughout the rest of the story, which is three chapters and 32,000 words long, we get kind of not only some world building setting stuff around uh, the location in Georgia where they're at, what the devil is doing, the kind of theology around this author's particular take on this devil character, but we also get a deepening, really interesting and complex relationship between Johnny and the devil. Um, the devil technically has a name in this story, but is referred to throughout the narration exclusively as the devil. So that's what we will be using. In terms of content warnings, the only one I would really give is that there are uh, references to kind of the historical reality of slavery in the United States and especially in the American South. Yeah, um, I love this story. I did steal it from Brenna unintentionally. Um, So this is a classic case of snoozing and losing, unfortunately, on Brenna's part. 
And in my case, I was the early bird who got the worm. Um, I think this really could have been published as an original novella. So I'm interested in talking a little bit about how works like this end up on AO3 versus other platforms. Um, this one is very popular as well. It's got over 5,000 kudos. Um, and again, I don't know. I'm just interested in this idea of like fandoms that aren't really fandoms. I've never been like, oh my God, where is all the devil went down to Georgia fic? Um, so lots to talk about with this one. I thought it was super well written and I'm excited to hear what my co-hosts thought before we continue. Yeah, I absolutely love this fic. It's such a banger. Um, I highly recommend that you fic let's read it. Uh, like Nick said, it really reads as original fiction. Um, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. There's not like a lot more to say about that. Like it's, I don't think it's surprising necessarily that it reads as original fiction. Um, this isn't like a fandom that has lots of works in it that everyone's like, wow, here's like canon for this. Um, there's just like a song. Um, so yeah, it feels incredibly like original and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I had read it a number of months ago and put it in my back pocket. I was kind of thinking about saving it for like a Halloween episode. It's not like horror, but you know, I don't know, the devil's around. There's some weird body stuff and like witchy stuff later on. Um, but then Nick brought it. So uh, I guess I did snooze and lose. I mean, we're still talking about it. So like, that's still a yeah. win for the podcast overall. But it's a it's a loss for me. Um, I'll, I'll send you a link to a fic I'm really excited about to even it out later. Will you? Is it gonna be like something I actually want? I don't know. <laughs> it's the um the good place meme. Like, I have the files. Do you really, or do you have a cactus? Right. <laughs> no, I have Eleanor Shellstrop's files. <laughs> but it's Nick being like, I have a fic you want. And then handing Brenna a cactus anyway. Yeah, that's what I expect. Anyway, this fic slaps. It's so good. Um, I feel like it really develops the characters, even without us having any sort of, like, fandom to go off of. Um, like, I think a thing that often differentiates fic from original, like, fiction for me is that in fic you have a basis of character to go off of and i think that this one makes it even more kind of original fiction posted on ao3 <laughs> um because there isn't that um like even if you go and read this the song lyrics it's not like it's giving you a lot of character background um about johnny or the devil <laughs> uh it's giving you the premise of what this fic then jumps off of um but there's also a bunch of other like ocs who are introduced who all felt very like I don't know, the world just felt very real and grounded and interesting and complex, but like not overly complex. Um, I just really liked this. I thought it was really masterfully done. I thought this concept was really interesting. Um, yeah, this is kind of embarrassing, um, but I'll say it on the pod anyway, because this is probably the least embarrassing place I could say this. Um, ever since I watched uh, Supernatural um, in high school and there's like the episode in season one that's like the crossroads deal episode i have loved anything that's sort of like making any sort of crossroads deal this is like a very much a twist on that johnny doesn't make a deal um but there are many deals that get made and they also do like meet at a crossroads that's where sort of like the bet takes place i mean the, the supernatural episode is supposed to sort of be like based on robert johnson anyway i mean it's i don't know if it says that explicitly or not i can't remember but um i love blues and bluegrass music and like um, the music of Americana um, and its storytelling potential. Uh, so I found, I just found this super interesting. It was right up my alley. I loved it. 
I feel like part of the reason why this reads so well as like original fiction or like a novella is also because the prose slaps. It's gorgeous. Like from like the second paragraph in, I was like, oh, this is phenomenal. And I understand why Brenna really liked it and was keeping it in her back pocket and also why Nick stole it. I pickpocketed um, her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I absolutely loved this. And it's a fic where um, it's one of those things where like the author's love of a thing really comes through. Like I loved the end notes and how much the end notes even had to say about blues and bluegrass and being like Johnny is wrong in his opinions about blues and bluegrass and what has heart and soul and what doesn't what's uplifting. Um, but like even in their like mini essay in the end notes, I was like, yeah, like I feel like the author's love and respect and care of this thing came through so clearly the like setting was so good just the, st the story work in general like everything about this fic i feel like was so well crafted and fit together so nicely um it's just it's just a really freaking good story facts yeah, one of my favorite things is the music allegory throughout this story. Um, Johnny is in a little bluegrass band situation um, with his normal fiddle, not the cornstalk fiddle or the golden fiddle, um, though he plays all three, I think, at one point or another. Good for him, his talent, his musicality. Um, but throughout the story, he does a lot of philosophizing on his own and with other characters, including the devil, about the differences between bluegrass and blues, about their origins about what it means as a person to be attracted to a particular genre, about playing this music, um, about music as a source of joy, even to people who have like lost their souls. Music as a source of life and energy and soulfulness. And I think one thing this author does so well and that I was struck by in the end notes that Reed mentioned is when you're taking concepts like this and you're utilizing them allegorically, it is impossible to maintain all of the nuance in a story. Like you're going to flatten stuff out a little bit. You're going to make allowances. You're going to make sacrifices to get your greater point across um, because babble on the mind. I'm thinking about translation and loss and the inherent violence to a degree, as Babel would certainly argue it's violence, of translating things into new mediums, into new languages. Um, but here I'm speaking specifically about musical genres that have rich histories and complicated kind of tapestries, um, translating those into a story that is 30,000 words long that is trying to make a different point. Um, and this author, I think, is so effective with it because they chose to surrender to that. They said, all right, if I'm doing this, I'm going to do it all the way. Um, I'm going to make this point. I'm going to have things be symbolic in one way or another. And we're going to commit to that and move forward. And that note in the end notes, basically, I mean, practically acknowledging, right, that that's what happened, I think made it all feel so much richer to me as a story choice after finishing. Can I read a little excerpt from the fic where Johnny explicitly is talking about blues versus bluegrass? Because Please. I feel like, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, it's fairly early in the fic when he's talking to like the bartender um, after his band has played a little set and the bartender's like, oh, I, I get why you play this music. But Johnny's like, he doesn't really get it. Um, and the fic reads, it's blues that's heavy. Blues wants you to sink to your knees in the ground and feel every inch of black dirt. It wants you to cry from it, though all the salt water in the world could never wash it away. Blues sings because there are chains and dirt and sin. Bluegrass, though. Bluegrass isn't heavy at all. It's light and loud. It fills every corner of the room just for the obnoxious noise of it. Bluegrass might sing about chains and dirt and sin, but it's not because. It's despite. 
not because of the victories. Yeah, come on now. <laughs> you got me in my feelings. Yeah, it's you really got me in my feelings, and I'm someone who does not ever listen to blues or bluegrass. And I was like, this fic made me want to go like peruse the genres more. Yeah, I'm about to join a band. Oh, are you going right. to play yeah. fiddle? I might. I have to learn first. <laughs> okay, let us know what instrument you pick up. A while ago, I was writing, this was like in November, I was writing in a coffee shop with some friends and a bluegrass jam circle appeared kind of around us. <laughs> I, holy cow, at first I was like, there's no way I can write with bluegrass happening right next to me. I wrote like 900 words in 15 minutes. I was like, come on, bluegrass. <laughs> I'm energized. Yeah, so that's I'm feeling the spirit of the music within me. <laughs> Yeah, it was actually really incredible. I was like, wow, this bizarrely is working. Thank you so much. I love that. Yeah, it was so loud. I couldn't think. I just was writing from the soul directly, I guess. That's why I used to listen to uh, EDM only <laughs> while writing papers in college. <laughs> That's incredible. How did I not know this about you? I don't know. I feel like I mentioned it before. Um, yeah, I think like one of the strongest points of this fic for sure is, is its connection with like the musicality um i think also like for me one of the things that compels me about blues and bluegrass and sort of like american folk music and american folk music of the south um is its storytelling basis um the music like i enjoy the song structure of blues and bluegrass i don't like actively listen to it much but if it's on like i generally will enjoy it and i think it's really impressive to see people play that type of music live too um i think if there's any instrument i could just like if i could just like magically wish to be able to play something it would totally be fiddle i love watching people play it i think it's so cool and impressive um i could never <laughs> i also don't want to go through like the, the horrible early stages of learning to play like violin or fiddle like i heard kids doing that when i was a kid i don't need it <laughs> um, but blues and bluegrass are such like story-based forms of music uh i think it's really interesting to kind of see something that's sort of song fic in some ways um but it's it's literally just song fic in the fact that it's fic about a song but this song also gives you so much to work with like it's not just i'm pulling a couple lines from this like love song to put about my pairing of the moment um it's very much like expanding on the narrative that the song offers you and this song in particular is just like i mean it's sort of just it's a little story set to music and the music enhances the story that it's telling um i don't know if you guys went and like listened to the song um okay good um i i would recommend you to Thicklets, Sorry, if you, you want to read the Nick fit, and I listen to the song as we well. Nodded. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because I think it like it gives you a little bit of a soundtrack for the for the fic, but also like enhances your understanding of sort of elements of it. Um, like it it literally kind of gives you a feeling of what it was that Johnny and the Devil like played during the bet and stuff, which is just like I don't know, it's really cool. I found this whole thing so clever. Um, yeah, like. <laughs> This is really tangential, but I'm going to say it and we can cut it if they need to. Um, but I watch a lot of a reality TV show called The Voice. <laughs> what? 
There oh, the battles, the battles. I'm with you. I'm with you. No, that's actually not where I was going to go. I was with you. But <laughs> one of the one of the uh, coaches slash judges, hosts, whatever of the show is country music star Blake Shelton. I don't think Blake Shelton makes good music, but he's always like country music is about storytelling. And he's always like, you're a storyteller, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Blake, you're a clown because your stories are like. I have a big tractor, you know. Um, <laughs> Brenna out here angry with the Blake Shelton fans who listen to us. Whatever. I, um, I think Blake big. actually is a very good coach on The Voice, but like he makes bad music. That's just a fact. Um, but like the actual roots of American country music are storytelling, and I feel like this fic picks up on that so well in a way that I found really compelling. Anyway, thank you for enduring my Blake Shelton tangent. <laughs> Happy to question mark. Yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, in reference to you talking about this fic being really clever um, and, like, the bets that were made, I think it was such a good choice from this author that we don't see that initial crossroads bet, um, which you find out just, like, through the narrative of the story that Johnny was, like, in a field practicing fiddle and kind of just declaring, like, I'm the best fiddle player ever and the devil shows up and is like, okay, I bet you my golden fiddle for your soul that I'm better than you and Johnny beats him. Um... And yeah, it wasn't that Johnny never like went to the crossroads to make a deal. This He just sort of like wandered into this. Um, so you never get that on screen. You just get the retelling of it. And then at the very end of the fic, um, because Johnny is trying to pursue the devil romantically and also protect his friends from having their souls taken. But like, I feel like it's maybe like 70% I want to date the devil, 30% I don't want my friend to make this deal at that point. <laughs> um, he basically summons the devil back to that same cornfield where they had originally met. And he, he plays on a cornstalk fiddle, the title of the fic. Um, I just thought that was such a clever, ooh, comparison's not the right word, contrast, I guess, to not show us that initial bet, but to have, like, the only sort of quote-unquote deal that Johnny makes. Because he makes, he makes like, joke deals to the devil. He's like, okay, I'll make you a deal. Come meet my friends. And in return, you get to meet my friends. And the devil's like, okay, I guess. <laughs> um, that the one deal that he, like, really does make is kind of a... Um, a parallel to that first scene between them that we never actually got to see. I liked it so much. Yeah. It's this fic holds so much contrast in a way that I love dearly. Um we have the devil as this really interesting character. Okay, first I do have to say the fact that Johnny does not open this fic with like the biggest ego on earth is impressive to me. If I had <laughs> confirmed via the devil that I was the best fiddle player ever, like, are you kidding me? I would be headlining every show. Like, everybody, I'm literally the best. Check out my sick fiddle that I can't play because it hurts. Coachella, Nick, headline, Nick fit click on the fiddle. What's up? <laughs> anyway, aside from that, um, Johnny as a main character is great because he's so unafraid of the devil and not unafraid in a way that is dismissive necessarily um there's a scene where the bluegrass festival that johnny and his little band was supposed to do gets rained out and they're all just kind of like sitting under i think it's referred to as the clamshell um i'm just waiting waiting for the rain to let up hopefully hanging out chatting playing some tunes together and the devil walks up and is like hello and johnny's like wow you look like a drowned rat i'm paraphrasing um but the devil from johnny's pov decidedly unsexy looks kind of like a loser here i'll actually read <laughs> instead of just like <laughs> butchering the prose. so sorry um 
Johnny looks up and laughs. Everybody got rained on at least a little. Johnny's shoulders are still damp and his wet socks are starting to itch. But the devil looks like a drowned cat. Oh, I nailed it. His ash-white hair plastered to the line of his skull and his fine suit dripping onto the concrete. His eyes look bigger this way without anything to distract from them, huge and poison yellow set against the paleness of his face. Despite himself, Johnny laughs. He does and can't stop laughing. It's so... This is not the way you would laugh at, I mean, the devil, probably if you knew he was the devil, Johnny's just kind of whack. This is the way you <laughs> laugh at a friend, you know? And I think like that level of mutuality that you would never assume is possible between man and devil uh, somehow is happening here. And I think the author did it in such a subtle and impressive way where Johnny like wants to get to know the devil as another person, which is simultaneously impossible and also the thing that saves him and his friends. And I think that's just very cool. And I cannot imagine successfully doing that as a writer. So major kudos to Not Because of Victories for that. I feel like it grows so organically because like, even though he won that initial bet, like I think the first time you see the devil on screen was like after like one of those early, um, they're playing a gig at a bar and like Johnny is very afraid of the devil and he does like drink his whiskey and he's talking to him, but he's kind of terrified, understandably. And then it's like, it just like grows in little bits and pieces. It starts with him like being like, do you want a ride? And then being like, why the fuck did I offer the devil a ride in my car? <laughs> yeah. And then like getting to the point where he's like upset if the devil doesn't want to go for a ride because they have these like long winding conversations and the devil gets off in the middle of a field i don't like it weird to be like this slow burn hit so well because the slow burn is between a guy and the devil but it did <laughs> it slapped yeah i mean i think to circle back to things that we've all sort of talked about at this point like I love that there's a central sort of pull and tension between, like, Johnny is a human man and, like, the devil is the devil. But also, like, that really mirrors, like, this contrast that Johnny sets up between, like, blues and bluegrass. And even though the author is like, well, Johnny's a little bit of a fool about this, like, Johnny sort of sees it as, like, essentially, like, bluegrass is, is this music of the living and the people who want to live and strive for life and joy and blues is the music of the people who will make a deal with the devil it's your song bro um and i think what's really compelling is like the fact that we as a reader know that it's not that cut and dry like emphasizes that it's not that cut and dry between johnny and the devil as well and that there is sort of this like middle ground if they can find it um I don't know. I just really, really enjoyed sort of the layers that it, that the fic like brought in um, to their relationship. Uh, also, I just found Johnny like very funny in a lot of ways. Like, I don't, I think some of it was definitely intended, but also like it was just funny to me how he, like Johnny is very wary of the devil and particularly wary of the deals that the devil wants to make, especially with his friends who he's like, stop making deals with the people who I hold close to me. Um, and the devil's like, mm, not going to do that. Um, but I feel like it's also funny how Johnny's like, kind of assured that the devil is like interested in him or at least finds him interesting um like i feel like he's a little bit like oh like six feet with the horse literally also kind of like yeah the devil's gonna like keep showing up and like hang out with me um which is just like i don't know it was funny to me but also like made their dynamic a lot more compelling like if johnny had only been intimidated by the devil like this would not have been a fun fic to read like johnny's sort of tension between like not liking what the devil is doing and like intimidated definitely by like the power the devil holds to like make these deals that could ruin people's lives but not necessarily like scared for himself like worked really well i think for me in terms of like 
Like, they, amazingly, the power dynamics did not feel that off for a story between, like, a human and, like, an immortal entity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do also want to mention, as we are uh, beginning to close this conversation, because there's no time. It's so sad. Uh, maybe we'll talk about it again someday. <laughs> Now that that's something we've done before, I'm like plotting. <laughs> anyway, um, when we're talking about music and origins of music, especially in the United States, I think so many like cultural histories of music try to skirt the fact that this music came from Black communities. Um, and this fic does not do that at all. Um, this fic really gets into it. Um, we are looking at a community that is predominantly Black. Johnny's friends and family are predominantly Black. There's a lot of frank discussion about the way that the history of American slavery is intertwined with the like kind of conception of these forms of music that then go on to inspire so many other kinds of music as well in the U.S. So I just appreciated that. I think we are not the podcast necessarily to say like this was good representation confirmed. Um, but I do appreciate the acknowledgement of that cultural history. I appreciate that. Um Yeah, and I think the main thing that I appreciate is just that this particular story was not whitewashed. Like, we get so many other things outside of just um, those kind of cultural notes. And also, it's a story that is told with culture. I'm not sure if that totally makes sense. Um, But it's something that I've been thinking about a lot more in stories recently, like the last few years. So I wanted to bring it up here. Reed, can you play a little bit of Devil Went Down to Georgia? over my like um or under i should say my ending comments um yes (laughs) not that i think anyone is like actively out here like copyright striking us but you're right can you record yourself singing a little bit of devil went down to georgia over a karaoke track and play that under my closing comments no but i will record a a cover of me doing it if brenda learns how to play the fiddle (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then that can be what goes under your closing remarks. Okay, okay I'll get back to you in like five I years. Like the, you're up and like, okay, Brenna, learn the piano for Jolene, learn the fiddle for Devil Went Down to Georgia. Okay, learning the learning Jolene on the piano is is at least like feasible. Like I'd have to put some work in, but I could, I believe I could do it. Learning to play The Devil Went Down to Georgia on fiddle would take me like the rest of my life. <laughs> okay, so that's like a fine. Thirty second. <laughs> true okay well that's fine i'll just have to do it raw if i can find royalty free (laughs) fiddle music okay that would be good okay great i'll do my best we'll see okay thank you so much yeah so that was our uh tragically cut short discussion only because there's so much to say about this story of a cornstalk fiddle by not because of victories such a good story. I genuinely do recommend that all of you just go and read it because I think it is um, fantastic and you don't need any like special knowledge to be able to understand what's going on. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Fit Click. We hope you enjoyed it. Um, if you would like more of us, we are around on the internet. Um, even though we are going on break, I feel like we might be posting things on our Twitter, which is at FitClick. Um, or if you just miss us and want some of us during the break, you can definitely find us in our Discord, the link to which is pinned on our Twitter. Um, or you can email us, fitclickpod at gmail.com. Yeah, don't worry. Even though we will be taking a relatively short break, 
We are not actually gone because we are chronically online always and forever. XOXO. You can also host a listening party on Twitch of the podcast. And in the chat, people can talk about how good that episode was. You can pick the episode. Other ways to support the pod, aside from that good idea, um, you can support us financially if you so choose. We are on ko-fi, ko-fi.com slash fitclick. If you want to toss us a few bucks to keep the show running, um, the money that we make from that goes back into the show. We also are on Redbubble. You can find that linked in the pinned tweet on our Twitter if you want to rep FitClick with some cool merch. It's very good, designed by Perenna and Friend of the Pod Tiffany. Yeah, if you enjoy FitClick, consider leaving us a review um, on a podcast hosting site of your choice, perhaps Apple, perhaps another one. Um, If you have been meaning to leave us a review but haven't gotten around to it, uh, consider that your summer break homework. You could also tell some friends if you think that they might like FitClick. You could tell your local book group if you think they might like FitClick. Um, you could tell pretty much anyone as long as you think that they would like FitClick. Um, we do grow predominantly by word of mouth. We now know this statistically to be true. So take that and go forth. Put a note on a pigeon that says listen to FitClick yeah, like and then just pigeon. release it. I'm just like, I actually probably shouldn't encourage you to just like pick up wild pigeons. If you already have a pigeon. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Put a note on it Go and then catch release a pigeon. it. <laughs> so, as mentioned in our intro, our next episode will be a mini sode. Um, it was recorded a number of months ago, and I've done a tiny bit of editing, and there's some stuff where I was like, I don't think I've said this on the pod before, but now current read is like you said that two episodes ago. So, if some of it's a little bit outdated, just bear with us, please. The mini-sode will be coming out on May 19th, and then we will be taking a break and coming back with my birthday episode on July 21st. Um, I don't know what I am bringing yet, but I can say that I know for sure that my guest is going to be our OG friend of the pod, Cassie, which I'm very excited about. Um, So yeah, sometime before the episode, like sometime probably early July um, on Twitter, you will be able to find what fix I'm bringing for my birthday episode, but I don't know. Current me doesn't know. That's what summer break is for, is to find out. Okay, great. <laughs> I hope you anticipate ficlets. Ficklets, I am not going to go worry about an exam because I'm not in school. Okay, bye. Ficklets, if you need to find me before the next time we meet, I'll be at the crossroads. Bye. Ficklets, I'm going to go read a self-help book <laughs> that won't help me at all. <laughs> bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs>